CD yet? The chief? No, not yet. Uh, there's uh, a little something you should know. I know. He's got a big nose, right? And then, whatever you do, don't stare. Look, I'm not going to stare. Come on. None of us would. But you get there, and you feel yourself not staring. Then you think it's obvious I'm not staring. So you look, and you think, I'm staring. So you say, this is ridiculous, and you take a good look. And you think, I'm looking at a man who, when he washes his face, loses the bar of soap. Thanks, guys. Okay. Don't say we didn't warn you. It's not the size of the nose that matters. It's what's inside that counts. It's not Shakespeare, but we return to comedies based on plays. This one loosely based on 1897's verse play. Cyrano de Bergerac. There you go. Cyrano de Bergerac by Edmund Rostand. You know him? <laughs> familiar with him? Eddie's a good guy. Reading through the verses of this episode is myself, Kevin, and my co-host, Jim. Smells like a barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> Francis Bourgeois, our train buddy. This is the Pool Scene Podcast. We are in the final stretch of season nine. Getting us one step closer, we cover 1987 romantic comedy, Roxanne. Hidden gem, if I may say so myself. Roxanne was directed by Fred Shapizzi. Hey, Shapizzi. Who has the movies Mr. Baseball, Six Degrees of Separation, Fierce Creatures, and Eye of the Storm to go along with Roxanne and others? Mr. Baseball is a very underrated Tom Selleck movie. I love it. We may have to do that one. I agree. Point. And then we'll do Mr. 3000, which when I was in college, I took a film course and we had to cover a movie. And a girl did Mr. 3000. Problem being, it was in theaters at the time she did it. <laughs> Whatever. And I think the teacher was like, or the professor was like, how are you doing this? And she's like, oh, I got it. This guy. like, Oh, I she, got it. She brought in a bootleg copy of Mr. Baseball. I literally hope it was like somebody held a handy cam and just it was. pointed it. It was oh, like perfect. back when you used to buy, like everybody had a neighbor or a friend who was like four or five bootleg DVDs for 20 bucks. Do you remember how we used to have to make a compromise with ourselves? We're like, oh, I get to see the movie, but this is fucking horrible. But well, whatever. Sometimes, but but it's because sometimes you'd get that good one. There was like it's a true. rip from a projector or something. So it was like every once in a while you'd get one that was great. So then you'd sit through like people standing up in front of the dark yeah. night or something in order to watch it. Set but, the fuck down. Oh, I'm in the home. Sorry. Yeah. So Steve Martin was a fan of a later version of Serrano de Bergerac. He really loved the character. The play is about a cadet in the French army who is a brash, strong-willed man who is also a gifted musician and poet in addition to being an elite duelist. Could that be the kid that we've covered on a pool check before they did? Don't, I don't want to hear Jordy? No, not Jordy. Ah! No Jordy. No, no Jordy de Bergerac? No four-year-old French rappers, please. <laughs> Despite his many talents, he has a remarkably large nose, which causes him to have self-doubt, which prevents him from professing his love for his cousin. What? Distant cousin. Okay, that's cousin. fine. Still a cousin. Jesus. 15 years later, she realizes he's the one who wrote her letters and professes her love, but only after 
He has been wounded from someone who dropped a log from a tall building that hit him on the head, and he dies in Roxanne's arms. Okay. Steve Martin had to do 90 minutes of makeup each day to apply the nose. He hated it. Seems a little long for that nose, by the way. No pun intended. It looks great. This movie almost couldn't happen because of the quality of like the prosthetic because like they were like, it has to match the skin tone and stuff. So they ended up finding a company who made the journey a little bit easier. Okay. Originally rated R by the MPAA. How? But was changed to PG on appeal without any changes. So all they did was appealed the R rating, did not change anything, and it came back with a PG rating. Okay, let's analyze. Where in this movie would an R rating ever be used? Like the almost well, nudity? Yeah, almost nudity. You get like a side ass? He makes sexual comments about his nose. Okay, you mean during the, yeah. the insult thing? Yeah. But still probably not enough for R. It's not like he but said, they didn't say fuck. And then they, they went from R to PG. They just skipped PG-13 PG probably would have been perfect. Yeah, okay. I could see PG-13. it's a PG movie with some sexual content. Okay. That demonstrates that the rating system is subjective bullshit. A PG movie can attract a more diverse audience than an R-rated one. That's undisputable. But Jim, let's see if that's true for Roxanne. Please give us budget, box office, news and number ones at time of release. From WUAB, Channel 43, where the news comes first. This is the 10 o'clock news. So Roxanne came out, Kevin, almost the anniversary here, June 19th, 1987, $12 million budget made $40 million at the box office. Quiet is kept. It had a great critical response, received an 88% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Through its sweetness borders on sappiness, Roxanne is an unabashed romantic comedy that remains one of Steve Martin's funniest. Roger Ebert also gave it three and a half stars out of four, stating what makes Roxanne so wonderful is not this fairly straightforward comedy, however, but the way the movie creates a certain ineffable spirit. Very deep there, Roger Ebert, but it's a great movie. Kevin, I dug deep on this one. This movie was filmed in Nelson, British Columbia, Canada, even though it was set up to be like Nelson, Washington. Yeah, it's, um, I think they reference Seattle a couple times, they do. but it's just supposed to be a fictional skiing town, basically. Going in depth too into this, they even painted the mailboxes USPS blue because they were all red because of Royal Canadian Mail. The average filming temperature in the summer of 1986 when this was being filmed was a balmy 58 degrees Fahrenheit. So I'm going to, I actually leave in a few days to go to the Seattle area for a week. And right now, as we're sitting here, I think it's probably 92, 93 degrees, high humidity. Oh, it's miserable. Huge heat index, heat advisory warnings, that sort of thing. When I'm going to Seattle, I looked at the weather for the week, the high temperature expected for my trip 58 degrees absolutely perfect i know you love it you're a maniac i love it i hate hot weather bring me back to september in october temperature wake me up when september ends also in this movie probably by far and granted this can be argued from my personal point of view this is the best bar in a movie i've ever seen even next to the one where they did poetry and cocktail this is a real bar. Well, that bar is awful. That bar is, well, whatever. But it's called Jackson's Hole and Grill. It still exists. So check it out there in Nelson, British Columbia, Canada. The number one toy at this time. And this kind of threw me off a little bit because this didn't get really any notoriety till basically the early to mid 90s. The Koosh Ball oh, was okay. the number one toy in 1987. 
Koosh ball. Now, I didn't remember much of it until Rosie O'Donnell did the whole Koosh ball thing. I don't remember that, thankfully. Because she used to slingshot and hit people with Koosh balls in her audiences. Was that something in Exit to Eden? I would hope so. Kevin, do we dare ever cover? No. Exit to Eden. Mm-mm. I think we should because Rosie O'Donnell looking whoopee 87 good. Let no. me tell you. There's a whole list. This is the eighth movie we've covered in 1987. It's a great year of film, at least in our opinion. However, there were some stinkers in 1987, and I'm going to read a couple of them for you. And Kevin, let me get you a quick response to him. Jaws the Revenge. Oh, it's great. Michael Caine. Yeah, I love it. Great. House 2, the second story. One of my favorites. Okay, now, Kevin, I don't know about this one. The Garbage Pail Kids movie. Unbelievable. Really? It's so fucking bizarre. It's beyond bizarre. It's almost scary. Like nightmare inducing. I would say that. It's nuts. Leonard Part 6. Melted butter. (laughs) The All-Nighter. I've never heard of it. Kevin, one of our personal favorites. Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Like Father, Like Son. We've talked about this. Ishtar. Yeah. Teen Wolf 2. My God. And then finally, Revenge of the Nerds 2, which we covered, Nerds in Paradise. It's unbelievable. Isn't that nuts? The yeah. worst movies of 1987, according to box office and ratings. Other than that one I don't know, I like love most of those. Those are great. And yeah. you know what? They'll be on the show, guaranteed. Kevin, one big news story right here around this time of June of 1987. President Reagan challenges Premier Gorbachev to... Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. One of the most iconic lines in probably world history. Into sports. Did you ever tear down any walls there, George? Good evening, everybody. I'm George Michael. Welcome to the sports machine. Two big sports stories. The sweetest swing ever in baseball history. The Seattle Mariners, Kevin, which will be headed towards. Ken Griffey Jr. gets drafted number one. Nice. And I'll never forget the hysteria to get that 1989 upper deck Ken Griffey Jr. rookie that is now worth about 30 cents. Yeah. <laughs> because they mass produced that SOB like crazy. The kid. Ah, oh, the sweetest swing ever. It's yeah. just, I, it's so effortless. Great marketing, oh. great shoes. Yes. They should go the whole major leagues. You know what? Please, you'll do younger crowd, backward nope. hats. Nope. Let's do it. Nope. They just, they continue to just do what they're doing and they're happy with that. They don't care that their average audience age is like 63. It's just a boring sport. I'm sorry, guys. I know there's baseball fans out there, but it's a boring sport to watch on TV. Just is. But then again, we'll watch golf and we'll love it. So whatever. Kevin, the NBA finals, I believe tonight is game six where the Warriors are on the cusp of winning the NBA championship over the Celtics. And in this time in 1987, the Lakers beat the Celtics four games to two. Kevin, right here, we haven't done these in a while, so we're going to do them right here. I don't know what the hell that was. I don't know if that was a paranormal thing. It's possible. It's been a long time. Birthdays, Kevin. Birthdays in this time in 1987, Diana DeGarmo. Okay. American Idol Zone. Kendrick Lamar. Okay. And probably the greatest soccer player of all time, Lionel Messi, who might be coming over to Major League Soccer, maybe. Question mark? I don't know. Huge price tag. Huge price tag. Won't be coming to the crew, unfortunately. That'd be great. Lionel Messi in Columbus. The number one movie for one week. Witches of Eastwick. Wow. For Witches of Brestwick. No. Now, if it was Witches of Brestwick. It's probably number one in like some sort of New York Jack theater. <laughs> That's a jerk off joke. New York Jack theater. <laughs> New York Jack theater. It's, it's part of the curse. She needs your blood to rust. This is insane. Where's my wife? You'll find her at the fire pit of sacrifice. How do I get there? 
heads down the ridge past the tree where I saw you being seduced by Felicia. And the number one song by Lisa, Lisa, and Cult Jam, Head to Toe. Which is a good song. Lisa Lisa and Call Jam had their moment in time. And that's all that was going on June 19th, 1987. That was a good one. I liked all those. Uh, Try to change movies. it up. Yeah. Let's nose into the plot. I know he's interesting. Mm-hmm. Different. Yeah. Intelligent. Handsome. He's what? He's handsome. Isn't it amazing if you have feelings for someone how you can start to see them as handsome? Well, everyone thinks he is. No, 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 not everyone, believe me. <laughs> what are you talking about? <sighs> it's great. It's great that he's all these things. Yeah. Well, I've only seen him a few times. We've never even spoken. We just exchanged a couple of goofy looks. So why are you telling me this? He works for you. His name's Chris McConnell. Oh, yeah. yeah. Charlie C.D. Bales, and notice that name, C.D. Serrano de Bergerac. How did I never pick up That's why he's C.D. Yep. Okay. Charlie C.D. Bales is the fire chief of a small town. He's beloved in town for his wittiness, his helpfulness. He's a kind of like a jack of all trades. He's the most likable person ever. Yes. You like her, don't you? What's not to like? Why don't you ask her out? No, no. Couldn't possibly fit her in. I've got a three o'clock, I've got a five o'clock, and the women are just lined up, mostly because of the old saying. Oh, yeah? What old saying? The old saying about a man's nose. You know, relating to the size of... uh, Of his what? Come on, everybody knows this. Come on. Hey, Sophie? Yeah? You know the old saying about a man's nose? Oh, you mean uh, how the size of a man's nose relates to the size of his... (gasps) Oh, my God. I love doing that to them. And all the people in town also know not to talk about his comically large Pinocchio-like nose. To get the logic out of the way right now, he is allergic to anesthesia. Yes, he is. So he cannot get a nose job. He At one point, he says, Give me the American beauty, Dave. See, you know I can't. Oh, yes, you can, Dave. You can do it. Get the knife. Cut me, Dave. Cut it. can't. Allergies to anesthetics are very, very dangerous. You know that. You've been in comas before. Let's do it the old-fashioned way, just like with a bottle of booze. Well, how many times he's gone into his office, his doctor's office? Who is the guy from Seidenfeld? Yeah. Babu. Yeah, but then he holds the cards to his face, yeah. and when he does that, one of those is his actual nose. Steve Martin's nose. Oh, interesting. Yeah, just as a little gag. Trivia. An astronomy PhD student named Roxanne Kowalski moves to town for the summer to track a comet. So uh, what do you get if you're right? <laughs> Nothing. Well, I graduate, that's for sure. And I get to name it. Well, that's pretty good. Sort of uh, historical. Yeah. Comet Kowalski. Kowalski? Why? You've got a chance to give it a beautiful name. That's my name. It is? Roxanne Kowalski? Yeah. Oh. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's like a big secret, though. Everyone in town is interested in her. She comes to adore CD, but only as a friend. She has eyes on one of CD's fireman friends who's like very dumb. Oh, beyond dumb. Roxanne wants CD to set her up with Chris based on his looks alone. Oh, hey, don't look now, but 
The Viking just came in. Don't look. Oh, God, it's him. All right. Chris, hey, come on over here. Shake hands with me. I'm the mayor. It'll make you look important. He should be bronzed. Yeah, yeah. Everyone tells me you are fast, efficient, and brilliant. Brilliant. With the ladies. She's never talked to him. But she like, there's a couple like comedy of errors because the mayor is like the weirdest. I don't get the mayor. The mayor. Yeah, the mayor is great. <laughs> but the mayor says like, you're brilliant. And then leans in and says at getting chicks or whatever, at picking up girls. But he Ro- wishes he was him. But Roxanne doesn't hear that part. No, she just hears you're brilliant. And then she sees him buying a book and it's like some sort of like existential literature. And he's actually buying it for the other fireman guy. So Roxanne's like, oh, this guy, not he's only does he look like he's this, cultured, he's cultured. He's great. He's a deep thinker. CD tells Chris about Roxanne's interest, but he's very nervous around women. So he also asks for CD's help. CD, you write the letter. No, no, you're, you're doing good. You do it. Do you, know it. How to, you know how to say what I feel. You write it and I'll, I'll sign it. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. That's, uh, that's, uh, dangerous. That's, uh. Lying. Not if you write what I feel. Look, I'll just sign my name, and you write to Roxanne what you imagine I'm feeling. It'll work. We got a big logic contention about around all women. Oh, yeah. When Roxanne asks Chris to meet up, he wears a hat with ear flaps to hide the earphones he's wearing, where CD is feeding him lines in his earpiece. So great. It's such a great scene. I'm a hunter. I'm a hunter tonight. The equipment fails and Chris blows it, makes a fool out of himself. So they switch places while CD stands in a bush and pretends to be Chris and speaks as him. This is successful as Roxanne invites Chris in for sex. So you know what uh, CD's original last name was in this movie? Instead of Bales? Yeah. Please tell me it's not Bergerac. CD's nuts. Oh, snap. I got snapped. When Roxanne goes out of town, CD writes her letters that Chris is unaware of. When she returns early, she wants Chris to be the man in the letters, but he can't. CD's god sister Dixie leaves the last undelivered letter on Roxanne's door with a note revealing CD as the author. Chris is leaving town with a bartender. Randomly. Yeah, makes no sense. Roxanne asks CD to come over, but he doesn't know that she knows that he wrote the letters. She punches him in the nose for lying to her. Basically, he accuses her of only being interested in Chris's looks. Ten more seconds and I'm leaving. Wait a minute, what'd you think I said? I thought you said earn more sessions by sleeving. During the argument, using that great big nose of his, he smells a fire. Along with his trainee volunteer firemen, they contain and stop the barn fire. At the town celebration, someone makes a joke about CD's nose. He doesn't even get upset. Finally, while on his roof, he hears the voice of Roxanne proclaiming her love for him. Our movie ends with them reconciling. And during the credits, you ever notice there's a credit scene? Just audio, not any... No. So during the credits, you hear a conversation between Roxanne and CD that she's named because he makes fun of her because she's going to name the comet Comet Kowalski. Comet Kowalski. And he makes fun of that. She says, that's my last name. Well, she names the comet Charlie. Aww. And he's like flattered. Her dad's name's Charlie. That bitch. So he like gets his <laughs> hopes up. And then she says, yeah, it's for my dad. <laughs> By the way, I named the comet. Oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, good old Comet Kowalski. No, Comet Charlie. Oh, hey, (laughs) that's nice. Yeah, it's my dad's name. Oh, oh, well, (laughs) he'll be so happy. 
let's uh let's talk about the characters. Steve Martin as Charlie, CD Bales, initials CDB, the same as Serrano de Bergerac. Who is that? Must be Serrano. Affected from Cuba. Wanted religious freedom. What's his religion? Daryl Hannah is Roxanne Kowalski. So something we rarely see, something that may be a first on this podcast. Daryl Hannah was the first choice for Roxanne. That has never happened on this now, podcast. Normally there's 23 other people we have to go through that are just like every actress at the time, plus a couple models. I mean, let's be honest. Daryl Hannah had her moment in the sun, but it was such a oh, narrow yeah. window. It was like, what are you doing after Splash? Nothing. Okay. She was a, a fast burning yeah. star. My dad had like a thing for Daryl Hannah. I really liked her. Normally or hers a mermaid. I don't, maybe it was hers a mermaid. I don't know. I, not my, yeah, you know, not my uh, cup of tea. She had a taste. Rick Rossovich as Chris McConnell. Our second Rick Rossovich movie this season. <laughs> Shelley Duvall, who her best role perfectly cast was as Olive Oil in Popeye. She played Dixie. John Capello's as Chuck. Fred Willard as Mayor Debs. Max Alexander as Dean. Michael J. Pollard as Andy. Who I always have called Darby. He looks like a Darby. Uh, Damon Wayans is in there for a second as Jerry. Matt Latanzi is Trent. Anyone else? Kevin Nealon plays a drunk. Uh, I think that's about it. So which actor actress gives a passable performance? Does any non-lead character still see? Hands down, it's Rosevich. I love Chris. Because tonight, I am a hunter. Uh, because tonight, I am a hunter. Hunting for words. That's good. That's okay. That's okay. Am I your prey? Yes, but not a defenseless one. Yes, but not a defenseless one. Not a rabbit. You are a lioness. He's your atypical all-American firefighter, looks the part, most handsome guy that comes into this super small town. All the women want to be with him. All the guys want to be him. And they're like, oh, you must be smooth with the ladies. And we'll talk about it later in Logic. For some reason, he clams up, throws up all the time around Roxanne, but around every other woman, yeah. seems to be fine. It's He's such like, a, I, I really like the character, and Rosovich plays it great because it's that whole don't judge a book by its cover. Yeah, he's built and he's a fireman and like he's very much like a one dimensional doofus, except he is so afraid of talking to women. Except this is also the second movie like we covered him in Top Gun. Second time he has a character in which he's saving lives all the time. Yeah. Rosevich for the win. All right, let's move on to best scenes. What Jim about you? I said Rosevich. Yeah, Rosevich. Okay. Yeah, yeah let's uh, Jim, you go ahead and go first. Worms, Roxanne, worms. Yes. Tell her you were afraid. Because I was afraid. Of me? What do you mean you're afraid? You're afraid of what? Tell her you were afraid of words. What, what, what? Words. Because I was afraid of worms, Roxanne. Worms. Amazing. The scene in which CD is feeding Chris lines. So standing behind a bush. Looking up at Roxanne like it is a Shakespeare well, let's, play. Let's do the whole scene starting at the beginning. So right. Chris wants help to talk to Roxanne and he can like he tells CD, he's like, I can't do it. I, I just don't have talk the, to her. I can't do it. So it starts with Roxanne comes outside because it's a nice night, which mm -hmm. he says like four times. And they sit on this just like porch bench it's a, together. It's a porch swing. Porch swing. Yes. And uh and CD's feeding him the lines. The best part of the first part of the scene oh. is when he starts reading the police scanner. <laughs> Moving in towards you. 
reach out your hand. My hand out reaching to car three. Car three. Proceed to the 279. What? Huh. To confirm. Car three, to confirm. Confirm what? Confirm. Uh, 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 confirm my feelings. Confirm my feelings. Well, here's the thing. CD is talking to him through a CB radio, almost a yeah. line to line radio, but it all of a sudden it is getting mixed signals with the town's local police yeah, scanner. It's amazing. So he'll be in the conversation like I'm a hunter and you're my lioness car two, car two proceed to Maine. And you hear, and you just see the confirm, confirm, confirm what can confirm my feelings, confirm my feelings. It's like, ah, oh, just one <laughs> error after another. It's hilarious. But she rolls with it. It's like, don't you think any other normal woman would be like, what so, the fuck? So when he pulls out the earpiece, like all together, he loses it. He loses it. So he pulls out the earpiece, takes off the hat, but then this is Chris flying blind. Oh. And she goes, you use your own words. Uh, you have a great body your your knockers your no not your knockers your breasts your breasts are like uh, me melons not not melons like uh, uh, pillows could i can i fluff your pillows uh, uh maybe i have to go in now well, wait uh, june 85 what weren't you the playmate of the month june 85 Fluff your pillows. Because originally, <laughs> That's the best. he he decided to write her a letter, which CD yeah. wrote, and she goes, "I want to hear something like in your letter." And he says, "Your breasts are like melons. No, I, no, they're like pillows." Can I fluff your pillows? Can I fluff, fluff your, your pillows? pillows? So she goes in the house, and that's when we set up where where Jim's at. So all of a sudden. They're out by the bush. She's up in her window, second story window, beautiful home, yeah. beautifully constructed it's home. Crazy large. It's crazy large, but it's also would be a perfect house for a fucking horror movie. Yeah. It's like perfect. It's like they're both hiding in the bush and CD's standing back from Chris and he's feeding them lines and you know, it's working, it's working, it's working. And all of a sudden CD tells Chris, Chris, like what, what, what words? He's like, worms, Roxanne, worms. And you just see him just put his head down. And then we'll get into this logic area because there's a big logic point here. He pushes Chris out of the way and proceeds to yeah. do it himself, even though their voices sound completely different. I, the language that he's using is so bizarre because he's essentially like, it's like poetry. It's like poetry. He's like reading her poetry and it works because Roxanne says like, he basically was like, I love you. I want to make love to you. And like in whatever words, and she, he feel, I feel drunk. On yes. You. And she invites him up and it's funny because CD starts to go and then gets, cause he gets caught yeah. up and then he realized, Oh, it's Chris. Chris yeah. is going to go, which is great. All right. So uh, before I move on to my first one, like this scene is perfect because immediately after CD is taking like the walk of shame, almost like yes. leaving. And he pranks the old women about being abducted by aliens who want to sleep with older women. And he took his palms, put them right on my face. Took me over to Roxanne's house. Mm. They said they wanted to observe me. At Roxanne's house? That's where they are right now. Ah, oh, this is bullshit. Well, Miss Dallas, come on, girls, let's go. Oh, okay. You think I'm nice, don't you? They wanted to ask me about older women. Why? Because they wanted to have sex with them. Where? Here, here, right here in Nelson. They wanted to start a colony of supermen who would have sex with older women because they said, and I quote, they really know what they're doing. We do? Oh, it's been so oh, long. 
Girls, girls, do you actually believe that there are creatures from outer space who want to have sex with older women? Let's go and check it out. Oh, that's I got that too. He it's great. Pranks these old women all the time, and he uh, he basically jumps out in front of them, and he's like, you know, I got I got abducted. There were lights everywhere. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, he says, you know, they want older women to mate with, and the women buy into it, and they're like, let's go find them. Where are they at? Right here in Nelson. Oh, it's been so long. <laughs> that's crazy. I love it. Uh, so my first one is it's the iconic scene from this movie. It's the jokes in the bar. Oh, it's the best. God, what a waste of an opportunity. What? Well, I mean, you've got someone standing in front of you with uh, this, and all you can think up is big nose. I suppose you could think of something better. Yeah, I think I could think up something better. Come here. It's dark. Whatever number you hit, that's how many I'll think up. Twenty. Two out of three. Two out of three. Twenty. Darts champion, Denver, 1987. Come on, Charlie, you can do it. All right. All right, 20 something better. So here goes. So some guy, I don't even remember what starts it, but some guy calls CD Big Nose. Some asshole. Yeah, some asshole. And he tells him, you could have said anything. And Big Nose was the best you could come up with. So basically, CD says, you throw a dart, whatever it lands on, I'll come up with that many more jokes better than Big Nose. Oh, you think I could think of something better? Yeah, I think I can think of something better. So he throws a dart, it lands on 20. He says, ah, two out of three, throws it again, lands on 20. So he has to do 20 jokes. He hits 20. There's a couple logic issues with this scene. My favorite of the 20 is... Paranoid. Keep that guy away from my cocaine. <laughs> Which is really great. But the whole bar is behind CD. They're cheering him on. I have like three logic issues for the scene. So my favorite insult out of that is... Dirty. Your name wouldn't be Dick, would it? Yeah. It just walks away. That's why I said that bar just looks so awesome. It's yeah. beyond awesome. It's Big good. fan of that bar. So my next one, volunteer firefighter Chuck going up to Roxanne and Dixie at the bar. He's also a fucking weirdo creep. Oh, yeah. Like, I love how he starts hitting on Roxanne and then proceeds to tell her about the Nelson tradition of hot tubbing. Yes. You know, uh, I'd, I'd like to invite you to a Nelson tradition of hot tubbing. Pardon me? It's a tradition we have here to consume some mulled wine and enjoy some outdoor hot tubbing. Tradition? You mean when the settlers came here 100 years ago, they started hot tubbing? What? Oh, yeah. yeah. You are feisty. I like that. I do. He's got an ego the size of Brazil. I'm sorry. I just have to stop talking right now. Hey, well, that's okay. That's okay. No problem. Tell you what. I'll be right over there, okay? And you just start <laughs> thinking about it, and uh, if you change your mind, just come on over. And I think you might. Well, if I do change my mind, you'll know, because my breast will be heaving and moist with perspiration. 
And then Roxanne starts reeling him in, reeling him in, reeling him in to the point where he thinks he's in. He's going to yeah. bang her. And he calls her like, see you later, foxy lady. It's yeah. like, oh, my God. And then he wears a mink coat. Yeah. And he, oh, I well, forgot. He owns an antique shop yeah. with taxidermy. It's called, isn't it called like. All yeah. things dead. All things dead. What the fuck? It's funny because when he's in the one bar and they're like, uh, where's your mink coat or something. Yeah. Like, so I have, so Chris and CD, despite being two of the three top characters in this movie. Yes. They don't meet until something like 35 minutes into the movie. So, so it takes CD a long while. He's like off doing other stuff. And Chris is at the fire station, like meeting the other firemen and, and things. And they don't meet for like 35 minutes into the movie. So the firemen keep telling Chris, don't say anything about CD's nose. And he's like, oh, I, I would never do that. And they're like, yeah, but it's... It, things tend to slip out. Like yeah. you've never seen anything like it. And Cause if like, somebody tells you that yeah. you're going to be like, ah, they're just, whatever. Yeah. he's like, no, I would never do that. Like that's no. So he meets CD for the first time. CD, this is uh, Chris McConnell. Hey, it's a real pleasure meeting you. Sorry. We've been uh, missing each other. You all right? Well, I, uh, I know you've uh, met the guys. How's your room? It's hypnotic, isn't it? It's huge. It's enormous. It's gigantic. And they said it was big, but I didn't expect it to be big. And he just completely loses control. So it's like all like, no, that'll never happen. Or like, and he didn't even let it slip out. He just like, he follows it like an eye test, like back and forth. And then he goes, it's huge. It's enormous. All the guys run the yeah, hell away. Running. It's, it's pretty great. What also I want to say my last one, these volunteer firefighters sure as hell do not know how to fucking fight a fire, let alone get ready for one. There's this whole montage of them just messing up left, yeah. right and center. one guy getting caught in a hose and getting nut barred with the fucking fire hydrant, which is great. The one dude's jacket's on fire. The one guy's jack, the guy who I call Darby. Yeah. Who he knocks out fucking Damon Wayans, I think at one point. Yeah. What's, over a hundred bucks. What's that guy in? What he else was in, in Scrooge. He was one of the angels in yep. Scrooge. He was a homeless guy who lived in the okay, sewer. That's probably what I know. His like CV, I guess his whole career. Dude's been in a lot. Oh of stuff. yeah. Like I definitely remember him from the uh, character actor. Yeah. Wow. He is, he has a humongous. Yeah. Filmography. It's, it's huge, but he's just, in Dick Tracy. Yeah. Oh, what is he in Dick Tracy? Bug Bailey. Oh God. Okay. There's another movie we're eventually going to cover, but he plays a uh, boner in I come in peace. So I wish he was boner in growing pains. Cause that would have made him even more interesting <laughs> that Mike Seaver has an older buddy named boner. Yeah. That's our new computer. Yeah. We could pinpoint any fire in town with that. I can see that. <clears throat> it's perfect for us because you know, we're the fire department. Yeah. Well, that is perfect. Hi, I'm Andy. Yeah, good to meet you. How are you? Fine, fine. <laughs> well, I just wanted to welcome you. Okay, thanks a lot. So, okay. Hey, there is one thing. Yeah? Have you met the chief? No. Well, he's kind of funny looking. <clears throat> so I wouldn't mention it. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. Yeah, I figure you wouldn't. <clears throat> but sometimes, you know, uh, 
things kind of accidentally slip out and then, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I love the comedy of errors. The volunteer fire department's great. Mike Seaver's never had a boner. We had a lot of crossover between our best scenes. So I think this is maybe going to be a lengthy one. So why don't we blow the whistle? We get out of the pool. It's time, pool seaters, for the pool scene podcast tradition of hot tubbing. <laughs> Off top of the pops. This is Karen Keating. And this is the presenter I made earlier. We start off tonight. Shamefully, I don't think we've even ever mentioned Top of the Pops. Never. On the Pool Scene Podcast. Top of the Pops was a weekly British television music show that ran on BBC until 2006. There may be an iteration that came after the that. TOTP2. Okay. Yeah. So along with discussing the week's top singles on the music charts, there would be live performances, some of which are iconic. Going back to the like the 60s. Yeah, it's like really the good. debut of like the Rolling Stones. Stones and like there's an iconic Nirvana performance. So color me bad. Color me bad's iconic. <laughs> we are going to do the best performances from Top of the Pops in 1987 only. Yes. So, uh, Jim, you went first in, and I have a lot of honorable mentions. Yes. I will go first here. My number five, Man to Man Meets Man Parish, Male Stripper. <laughs> Some of these bands are just so amazing with their names. This almost seems like something that you wouldn't even see on TV now, like 35 years later. Yeah. I think like Alex Wright, the WCW wrestler, <laughs> watched this performance to get all of his dance moves. I, I, the chorus is something like, I want to strip for you. I want to strip for you, or I want you to strip for me. And it's... It's very, it's very much something. It's very like, hell yeah, it's Pride Month. Now let's explain something with Top of the Pops. There was a lot of controversy because they lip sync like crazy. Sometimes it comes across like, are they some? They just well, don't even care. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Because some of them are like, are you even making an effort? <laughs> like you're not even like standing every, there. The Smiths were on there a bunch. Yeah. And Morrissey never had a microphone once. No. He just like stood on the stage and played with a balloon and just like mouthed the words. Sometimes though. There are live performances our live performances and it's awesome and then there's there's also some gaffes over time where there were some issues with the the live track yeah the so millie vanilli like, syndrome there, yeah yes exactly there's this one where these two guys are uh like a keyboard type of band it's basically them standing there for three and a half minutes like not doing anything and you love the crowd just keeps going with yeah, it it's like right. what the fuck are we doing here <laughs> so strange so my first one is two people that we're very familiar with from the 1987 smash hit episode number three dirty dancing bill medley and jennifer warren's doing i've had the time of my life so i tell you something this could be love because i had the time of my life now what sticks out to me is bill medley is completely forget it donnie you're out of your element this is a live performance so i give them a lot of credit just the backing track but they're actually singing which is great bill medley you know righteous brothers you know 60s just Wow. It's 1987. He's wearing a deep V open collar shirt. If it wasn't for Dirty Dancing this thing having to be, they'd be so out of place. I can't name something else Jennifer Warrens was in off the top of my head. 
But what I like and why I took these is crowd participation and quality of the performance in what you're doing. Bill Medley's riffing a little differently. Jennifer Warren's is riffing a little differently. I appreciate the fact, but Bill Medley is caught in a time warp. <laughs> and it's quite obvious that he's just there to sing and dance a little bit awkwardly. That's it. That's why I appreciate it's, it. Uh, I didn't realize Bill Medley did the song from Major League because I remember growing up like being like real emotional. About you mean that, the one? Like, Woke up yeah. one day. Yeah. Yeah. And when I found out that I was like the same Bill Medley, I was like, hell yeah, that's, that's awesome. His brother's vegetable. <laughs> Such a shit joke. Well, that's a teaser <laughs> for next week. Uh, vegetables in schools. Number four, Kiss, Crazy Crazy Nights. Nice. Kiss without the makeup. Never should have done it. They, but this is fucking awesome. They they are there. Paul Stanley is fucking awesome. Yeah. Like he's like, he's all grooving and shit. Like they are into it. Like they, they're not just like, eh, we're going to be here. We're going to lip sync. We're going to, you know, just do our set and go. Cause like some of these people looks like, like they could not care less. They just mail it in. There's so many like poppy, like eighties, like synth pop where it's just kind of, it's the same thing. I watched every performance from 87. Well, now the amazing thing too is some of these bands will be on there multiple times within yes. a month yeah and what's smart on totp is maybe by the third performance they do like a 35 yeah. second thing and then they're off it's but just so many of them are just like so the same like a lot of, i watched every performance from every single episode in 1987 and then I, i'm like all of these are running together they're all the same end. so then when you see kiss yeah and the energy and it's just like this is totally different from anything and i don't have it on my list maybe you do but like one like that stands out like that is it wasp yes and it's just like holy shit this is crazy yeah. for top of the pops and that kiss performance they're like into it the crowd's into it it's fucking awesome. I'm not Which even it, like a huge Kiss fan. It is awesome. I'll say one thing about Kiss. They're a great live band. Granted, they're lip syncing here, but yeah. they've always put on a oh, great it's performance. Awesome. It is great. My number four, and this kind of disappointed me. It's was not was walk the dinosaur. So I'm thinking I'm going to tune into this. I'm going to see if there's actually a dance move called walk the dinosaur. Nope, not at all. No, there was no actual fucking a dance move called Walk the Dinosaur. So I'm expecting, like, when I'm going through these videos, I'm uh, the first, like, thumbnail. If I see, like, multiple people in the thumbnail, I'm like, okay, this is going to be a great group effort. I love this song. It was kind of one of those hidden gem songs in 87. Like, it would reach, like, Hot 101, like, number 26. Yeah. But it just stuck with you as a catchy hook. But there's no fucking dance to That's, it. I'm just that, like, I, why? That, I, I am. That is crazy to hear. And it's like a six, like a five or six person band. That's like a Macarena to me. Like, but it, the crowd was great in it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Cause there are crowds and you've watched enough of these videos where they're just like, we're yeah. here yeah. again. So I don't know how many recordings like, they do I don't in a day. Which one it was, but there's one where somebody's like trying to get the crowd going in a clap. They're not clapping. No. So they're like, come on, put your hands up. And do they, you, there's not doing Do you it. think it's a possibility, even though they said, you know, this week on Top of the Pops, that they might have filmed three episodes in a day? Maybe. I don't know. And some of the crowd just gets burnt the fuck Maybe. out. I love all the hosts. 
It seems like there's they're a excellent. thousand. I maybe they're just like master of quick change in their look, but there are so many hosts, and they're all just kind of like this next band from you know from well like at least over here we don't know, but these people could have just been the everyday yeah, bloke. Yeah, there's like, can you do this on a mic? Sure, can love. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's I love awesome. it. Number three for me, The Pogues, Fairy Tale of New York. It's a good one. So different from everything on top of the pops, which is kind of a theme here with me. In fairness, it's a Christmas song, but it was like top of the pops, 97% synth pop. Shane McGowan, the singer of the Pogues, he's not even trying to lip sync. Like I mentioned, he's like not facing the microphone. He looks like he might be falling asleep at one point, but famously for this performance, because it's like a classic one, hammered. <laughs> he was hammered. Perfect. So for better or worse, if the Pogues didn't exist, there would be no Dropkick Murphys, no Flogging Molly to provide personalities for all people from Boston. What's great about this are there are a lot of bands. This is the first time I've heard most of these bands because they never made it over here. And some of them I just shake my head with why. When I get to my number one, that'll be one of the I talk about. But right now here for me, number three, I think one of the stalwarts of 80s new wave I have ABC when Smokey Sing. Now, if you look at early top of the, I'm saying early, but early 80s top of the pops, ABC's a staple. Yeah, AB, like we, so we started discussing these a bit and I went through like a, a deep dive and I'm going through and I'm seeing like throughout the 80s, it's the same groups. Like ABC communards. Yeah. It's like a lot of yeah, these there's same. a bunch of them that are the same. In one of them, they were like, they were here six months ago with their other band yeah. and now they're back as this band. Yeah. So it, it's almost like it was this local game. Like Top of the Pops was like trying to like get them over here on BBC two. Remember we watched like forever ago. We watched Top of the Pops video where we we saw two different people perform the same song. I think we did. I can't remember and what it like, was. I don't remember what the song was, but it was like, why there two people have this same song out at the same time. So odd. But what I love about ABC here is once again, Martin Fry, the lead singer of ABC holding the non-attached to anything microphone. His three other guys in the back are just dancing back and forth. And when the camera shoots to them they're singing as if yeah. they're actually singing but abc i don't know how to put it they are like i would say robert palmer perfectly dressed in the era of duran duran they're just a great band i it was a perfect totp performance but abc was a staple so hell yeah that's like one of my favorite things about top of the pops is like seeing how each of the bands will navigate the lip syncing issue yeah because like some of the bands like i said like morrissey He's like singing to the crowd with no microphone. And then you'd see other bands who the singer would be like singing in a microphone like it was real. But then the other members of the band are singing the backup vocals with no microphone. To me, two bands totally personify that haircut 100 yes. and big country. Yep. The lead singers would all be into it. The rest of them are just singing in the thin fucking yeah, they're, air. They're back. They're singing backup vocals into invisible microphones. Yeah. Number two, we, we talked about the difference between the lip syncing and how most of the top of the pops performance are lip syncing. Like not, I'd say what? 99%. At well, least. it seemed though like there was a year as we got into the late eighties and this might've been a production decision where a lot of the performances were live, but this one live and awesome Whitney Houston. I want to dance with somebody. Alone. 
she so great. is doing it live and it is awesome. There's no bad notes. She is just, I mean, we know how great of a singer she was. Mm-hmm. So it's like awesome performance. I loved it. My number two. My number two, Kevin, I sent you this video. Two people I've never heard of. It's a great catchy song. This song would have been perfect for like a cop movie or collision course. It's Pepsi and Shirley yeah. with I don't heartache. know which one's Pepsi and which one's Shirley. I have no clue either, but these two can fucking sing, but it's such great soundtrack material and it was never utilized in the soundtrack in which it should have been used. Perfect. My number two. Speaking of Pepsi, uh, Pepsi in Japan bringing back another iteration of Crystal Clear Pepsi, except... Oh, God. It's... I don't know what the name is, but it's like Pepsi fried chicken. What? It's not, it's clear. It's not necessarily supposed to taste like fried chicken, but it's supposed to create the mouthfeel, like the greasiness of oh, fried chicken. I, no, I don't know why. I love chicken, but I don't want that. <laughs> I can just go to KFC and drink out of a fucking chicken bucket. I don't want that. <laughs> no. All right. My number one. Number one. Isn't even that great, but there's a reason. It's a uh, fine young cannibal ever fallen in love. We got back to number 17 in the charts and a song that was once a big hit for the bus cops is now a very big hit for the fine young cannibals ever fallen in love. Holy shit, I never knew this existed. Fine Young Cannibals, you know from the early 90s. She drives me crazy. Exactly. Had a very unique sound. One hit wonder. Year anyways. This is Fine Young Cannibals doing a Buzzcocks cover. <laughs> what? I mean, I don't know if I could agree with like the disco direction that they took the song, but it's like the Fine Young Cannibals doing a classic punk song. This yeah. is punk. And they did like a disco version of a Buzzcocks punk song. So strange, but it made me happy to know it existed because it's like did people just go on top of the pops and just like shit we're gonna do a a buzzcocks cover today so my number one number one it's one of these bands i like watching top of the pops from like 1980 to 1990 and see what bands were able to navigate the way music changed these guys stayed the fucking same like five years later they were back on top of the pops same type of song hue and cry labor of love yeah glasgow right now and i'm delighted hue and cry has made it with labor of love This guy's voice is very, I can't tell if he's trying to look a little bit like Michael Hutchins, a little Morrissey, and also, oh, this is going to kill so me. So like everyone else in the in 1987. Pretty much. He also looks like the lead singer of Depeche Mode. Why his name escapes me right now, I don't know why. But when I heard him sing initially, all I could think of was Adam Sandler going, you don't have me here, <laughs> He kind of has the weirdest voice. It's like a seven-person band. Yeah. But the fucking crowd is into it. And this guy is in 
the zone. When you see some of these performances, they're just, they know when the red light's on the camera because they just know, boom, 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 boom. Excellent performance by Hue and Cry. Okay, let's do uh, some honorable mentions. Rick Astley, never going to give you up. I mean, staple. It's, but it's just so plain. It's like, he only had one dance move. That little yeah, shimmy. And that he does it for four minutes. But the thing about Rick Astley, I always found amazing. I think I saw this once. It was like an interview, like on the street and people were asking, what do you think this guy looks like? Yeah. 80 to 90% of people like, oh, that's a black dude. Yeah. And when they would show what Rick Astley really looked, looked like, like Luther Vandross. Yes. And instead he looked like Rick Astley. Why was there not a Rick Astley Luther Vandross collab? Oh my God. Shit. I and Rick Astley has aged kind of cool. Yeah, yes. Because so recently, I don't remember where it was at. Somebody just put up thousands of drones in the sky, which made a QR code. And then everybody that pulled up their phone to get the QR code, they got Rick rolled. Oh, that's perfect. Somebody spent how much money? Just a <laughs> million. Rick Oh, everyone. Gary Newman cars. The reason I mentioned that one is because whenever there'd be like a strange artist on top of the pops or like somebody that had something stylized, they would go outside the norm of just like, here's some microphones stand on our stage yeah. and perform. So Gary Newman, there's all these like cool fades and, yeah. and wipes. And, and stuff. he stood at the back of the stage. He stood behind the drummer. Yeah. Super weird. I think it's 1982 when Bauhaus Bella Lugosi's dead yeah. is a cool performance because exactly that. They like knew they understood the assignment. They're like, we're going to make this like spooky and weird. Pet Shop Boys cover Willie Nelson's always on my mind. That's great. Super weird. Bananarama. I heard a rumor. Not the Time Lords doing a awesome, almost queen. We will rock you riff to yeah. the Daleks are coming to the Doctor <laughs> Who theme. <laughs> It's fun. They're dressed like Time Lords and there's Daleks everywhere. Bananarama, I heard a rumor. They have like choreographed moves with like lubed up shirtless dudes, like the most lubed dudes ever. Yeah. The Blow Monkeys out with her. That's a song from Police Academy 4 where Zed is making out with the one COP girl. I think you're right. And it's utterly weird. But the weirder part is the host introduces them. And on YouTube, unfortunately, some of these just go straight into like the, into performance. the performance. Yeah. But I love the ones when the host is actually like, number seven, like in this one, the host says, now we can get smoochy. What? He says, now we can get smoochy. It's the blow monkeys without with her. The Christians forgotten town. It sounds like someone put R and B vocals over like an NES racing game. I just like the song a lot. It's my type of song. Def Leppard animal. That's a good one. Because again, that's that change of pace. You yeah. know, you get all the synth pop so to see someone like Def Leppard. They're very much like stretching the capabilities of one single microphone. Oh yeah. The last one from 87, Johnny hates jazz shattered dreams. Great song. One of those songs that I think everyone knows subconsciously. Even me, but could even never me. tell you who sang it. Yeah. No one could ever say Johnny H. Jazz. The singer kind of looks like Mark Summers. Climbing to number four this week, we have Jim with everybody back in the poo. Everybody, let's have some fun here on Top of the Bobs on BBC Two. Hey, did that copy of uh, Being a Nothingness by Jean Jean Paul Sartre? Yes, it did. I got it right here. Great. It's all paid for. Great. Okay. Thanks a lot. It ain't nothing, bro. Therefore, my body is a conscious structure of my consciousness. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. I was too embarrassed to go in there and ask for it myself. A little light reading, honey. 
So I think we should return to this pool check format, encouraging our audience to dive into the top of the pops archives if they haven't before. With that said, Jim, your favorite top of the pops performance of all time, before you give it to me, that Marky Mark one is also sort of one of those ones where he was really begging for crowd participation. Oh man, was he. And two- Hot mic. Yeah, the director producer- we're very concerned, I'm guessing, with his cross colors bucket hat because it was blocking his whole fucking face. <laughs> you couldn't see you could face. not see his face at all. <laughs> Somebody's like, tip his hat. Like, get There's a, something. He's get adorable. A get a get a something. Poke it off his head. Hey, it's about that time, okay? Break forth the rhythm and the rhyme. And then they actually bring out is it I don't know if it's Martha Wash, but they bring out like the actual singer of yeah, that, they do. which is great. Which is awesome. So favorite top of the props <laughs> performance of all time. Okay. Color me bad. Doing I Want to Sex You Up 1991. Yeah. Was watching her performance because Kevin and I have made fun of this band. I don't know how many times, especially their newer videos where it's like, dude, guys got to <laughs> hang it up the stage. Shut the curtains. We're done here. Thanks for the memories. So here they come out. The lead singer looks like he has no eyebrows. Yes. Kenny His G. Gone. They're gone. They have like little slivers. That's it. Kenny G looking tremendous. Yeah. Like amazing. Oh, he's when they do the all for love. Yes. Performance, which was on the same week when they do the all for love performance. He is like confident. The Kenny G awesome. guy. He comes out. He's working the crowd. He's smiling. I'm yeah. like that dude. Charisma. Yeah, he's got it. Like not so much in like the I adore video, but in this performance. Excellent. And that's probably they were holding him back. I would say so. You guys know the chorus. So I'm waiting for the lead singer with no eyebrows be like come inside take off your coat he starts putting new lyrics to this song it made me doubt my CMB fandom. So I was like, okay, I got to verify to make sure I'm not wrong. Cause I don't want to be an idiot. If I'm bringing this up on the podcast, I was absolutely right. He did new lyrics yep. to this song, which I'm like, why would yeah. you just, would the producers be pissed? Like this was number one on yeah. top of the pops and you're riffing new lyrics to a song. That's number one on the UK charts. We've, I think we've talked about it before. It's one of those things when you see a band live and they don't sing the melody. Yeah, I get it. You perform this song live 300 times a year or something. You want to keep it fresh for yourself but it's like everybody's there to hear it as it was performed he went off script and i'm like do the other guys in the band know he's just riffing this like what the hell plucked out some of his brain with his eyebrows For me, if it's an available choice, I will always say Prefab Sprout, King of Rock and Roll. Yeah. But it's not really anything special. I I like the song, but it's kind of a funny performance, but it's it's whatever. I'm surprised you didn't say Go West, King of Wishful Thinking. That's a great one. My honorable mention is Snap the Power. That's a great one. Because it's that like early 90s era of rap where it was like new for Top of the Pops. I don't know if they were sure what to do. No. So they just like brought out the rapper dude, two dancers, and then the girl that sings the hooks is like up on the steps in the back. And the the dude would rap his parts, you know, walk stage, rap his parts. And then he'd fall back into the dance. The choreographed like running man is basically all they were doing. 
fucking awesome like it's a great performance but my number one an iconic one spice girls wannabe i think they had already sold 50 million copies of their first album like by the time that they actually appeared on top of the pops it's fun and it feels like it meant something they compared it to the first time the rolling stones were on yeah it was this we're bringing girl power to top of the pops it was awesome and it's basically just a recreation on stage of like the wannabe video and ginger looked real hot yeah but as i've gotten older i think i now might like baby more than ginger i don't know at the time i was a posh spice really like i was like oh my god victoria looks amazing i I think i liked all of them it was yeah i just love women (laughs) uh two weeks in a row you have to verify it i love love women worms (laughs) worms someone i don't want fighting fires or anyone because he probably would have said something about cd's nose uh david mccall it all could have been different mr walker you should have allowed nature to take its course. I'll go first. There's, Please. Okay. There's a three part logic to the bar scene. Okay. Guy in the bar makes the nose joke, throws a dart. We went over that. He says, cause like he hits the 20 CD says, let's try that again. He hits the 20 again. He says, darts champion, Denver, 1987. The movie came out in 1987. Wouldn't he say something like, I just won the Denver darts championship. Like if you won something the year you won it, you wouldn't say the year. No, you wouldn't. It's like when golden state beats Boston, they're not going to be like NBA finals champions 2022. Like, plus if you want to be technical movie was filmed in 86. Yeah. So he's a future champion. Why didn't they pick a couple like <laughs> 1984? Yeah. Yeah. He says darts champion Denver 1987. Yeah. The nose jokes there's actually, I think it ends up being like 25. Because I didn't count them. But like at one point, CD says, How many is that? 14, Chief. And then uh, why does the guy, the Denver Darts champion in 1987, why does he let him do all 20 jokes before he tries to punch him? I have no he idea. He sits there and lets CD the say punching bag. 20 jokes, takes all of it, gets laughed at, and then he goes, You smart ass son of a bitch. You flat faced, flat nosed, flat head. Hey! Has he fallen yet? He tries to throw a punch. Wouldn't you just punch him after like four? Here's the goofy thing about that though. CD elbows him in the gut, brings his hand yeah. up, hits him in the face and then in the balls. And then he goes, ow. And then he looks at Roxanne in that trope of where the guy's just standing there. Just, you know, yeah. finish him. Yeah. And then is he down yet? Fatality. It's like, what the hell are we doing? So I brought this up briefly at the beginning of the show. For an astronomer, Roxanne is completely dumb as shit. Yeah. How this woman who knows so many things, she has astronomical data down to a T, but can't decipher CD's voice and Chris's voice and how Chris acts around her when she's awkward because she plays it off like, oh, he's nervous. It's what you have. This is some of the greatest suspension of disbelief we've ever had in a movie. Big time. Because if you're Roxanne, why wouldn't you be like, hey, come out of the bushes. Let's just talk on the porch. Let's talk face to face. I'll come down. Don't say anything about my muff, my pillows, my my muffins, my pillows. or my melons i combine those words let's just talk on the porch but she allows him to continue to talk to her from a second story window in a bush and she she even says voice sounds different uh uh, of course it's different uh i don't have to be careful anymore i'm uh 
I'm protected by the night. Well, that's because my words, they have to travel up to you. It's like, what the fuck <laughs> are you talking about? Travel to Comic Wall Street. I'd be like, are you dumb? Like, yeah. what's happening? The whole thing with Chris being afraid of women, he physically can't talk to them. At one point, he vomits. Yeah. Just thinking about talking to Roxanne, he throws up. So in order to avoid talking to Roxanne at first, he plans to write her a letter. But if the letter went well, wouldn't the next step be, don't you want to meet? Like he's just trying or to even talk on the phone because at some point CD says call her. And he's like, no, because then I definitely have to talk to her. I love his stupid honesty because when he's sitting in CD's place and CD looks at him and goes, okay, let's think of something. How do you feel about her? Me? About her? Yeah. How did you feel when you first saw her? Horny. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, but you can't say I felt horny. You have to change it a little. You have to say, you know, I felt uh, moved, uh, alive, uh, uh, on fire. That's beautiful. Okay, now, how did you feel when you first spoke to her? Like a dickhead. No, 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 you can't write. I felt like a dickhead. You have to say, you know, I felt like... A child standing in the sun for the first time, uh, feeling only your radiance. Radiance. I like that. I'm going to underline that. Okay, now, what did you do after you saw her? I puked. Somehow CD just gets thrown into this. Yeah. And the one thing about that, too, logically, he can't talk to women real well, except for the bartender, well, where yes. he has no issues with talking to her, and then runs away with her. Yeah, I have that as well. Like, it is... Just go into it. Very strange that not he's sitting there at the bar, and she's talking to him, and he it's not like he's throwing up or it's running fine. away. Where are you from? Albuquerque. A-L-B-U-Q-U-E-R-Q-U-E. It's an old bar bet. Really? Yeah. Know where I really want to go? Where? San Francisco. I've been there. You've been there? Yeah. Really? What's it like? Oh, it's great. I'm really a 49ers fan. Yeah? Not so much the Giants, though. I just... And the Redwoods. Oh, I should see them. I just like to go there and just be... I always take, like, a meat sandwich with me when oh. I go. And maybe it's because at that time, maybe he's not interested in her. That's the only thing I can think but of. But like, he loves to, he gets going. He She's gets very attractive talking, too. Yeah, they're talking about traveling and all the places they've been. And he's just like, he's happy to talk about it. Even when she kind of starts to hit on him, she says, no, nah, I better not because you're you dating like one of my friends. Yeah. And he's like, no, it's fine. We can talk. And then he runs off with her. What's the difference between <laughs> her and Roxanne? Does he not feel horny? Is it because he's horny around? Roxanne? I don't, but okay. So the whole thing with Chris, if you have that much fear that you physically cannot talk to a woman, you should probably get some therapy to get to the root cause. There's something deep seated because is it a mommy issue? Yeah. Like why can't he talk to women? He's obviously, you know, a hard worker and he's traveled. And when he, when he talks to the bartender, he's well-spoken, but something like he has a physically ill reaction to women. 
to talking to women. So my next one, CD is a motherfucking X-Man. He's an X-Man. Yeah. Yeah. First off, his nose has superhuman abilities. He's able to smell fire that's entrapped within a barn house, which is showing no signs of fire until they open the door. Well, I have that as well. It's kind of a, a larger question, like a medical question. If you had CD's nose, would that explain being able to smell a fire across town? What controls your sense of smell? And it's not next door. It's across the damn town. No, like what controls your sense of smell? Is it like the hardware or the software? It has nothing to do with yeah. Yeah. physical nose no the smell goes in through your nostrils but it would be like nerves and receptors in your brain his nose is just extra cartilage that's yeah. it so he just has larger holes for the smells to go in yeah but it would have nothing to do with being able to smell better and my next one i mean it goes with that with his x-men ability how this guy is able to get to a second story of a house yeah. by using which you can see on tv there's a small trampoline in the chair jumps from the top of the roof does some sort of parallel bar gymnastic move to the top step jumps through the window i've never seen a guy with this much ability which makes me think could have steve martin in this movie created parkour <laughs> because he just did full-on parkour well, so this movie had a unique challenge in a way because the fact that it's based off of a character who is like a sword fighter a duelist a poet the poetry part of it he oh could yeah do, but it's like we see that fight with the guys with the tennis racket yeah he the in the ski pole yeah the ski pole so that's kind of how they get around the sword fighting thing but i think they were just trying to find things to give cds so they were like oh let's make him be able to do a bunch of crazy flips and shit yeah. He's an X-Men. I probably blame the mayor for this one, so I might have answered it myself. Why are they having Oktoberfest in July? <laughs> it makes no They're sense. having an Oktoberfest festival, but... Fred Willard's dressed like Don Johnson. Hello, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. Let Oktoberfest begin! When Roxanne is gone for a week, CD writes her three letters every day. Oh my God. She's gone for a week, even if she was a town over. Wouldn't it take a couple days for the letters to get there? And those letters are just sitting there wherever she was staying, never read. Like the letters, yeah, they wouldn't even get there by nope. the time she left. But she says, I read all your letters. How? Yes, exactly. In real life, there is a 15 year age gap between Steve Martin and Daryl Hannah. Scandalous. Do we think that's the same in the movie? Well, let's see. How old was Steve Martin when this movie was made? Let's check it out. We jump on because, the Wikipedia. So she is a, a PhD in yes. astronomy. So you got to think she's maybe in like year 12 of college. Yeah, so she's up there. They probably have her play in late 20s or... So Steve Martin is 41 when this was filmed. Okay, so yeah, they probably have a similar... Daryl Hannah was 26. Okay, so her age, that's probably, that's probably legit. They yeah. probably have a mm -hmm. play in about a 50. And is that too much? Do we think? I think at the time it was a little like taboo, but Steve Martin was gray hair Steve Martin since he was born. Yeah. Steve Martin always looked older than what he looked. One of the big flaws with this movie, it's almost going way back in uh, pool scene history. It's like the airborne. I'm out of here in two months. I don't give a left testicle about you or your hockey team, or your, your hockey school. team, your school. It's sort of like that thing. So Roxanne's out of here at the end of summer. She's just here tracking yeah. uh, comic Kowalski. Where does this go? Yeah. Because like CD, like I think he wants to fuck her. I, I like, it sounds rough. I think he wants to make love to her. Yes. That sounds right. Not fuck like, her, Kevin, <laughs> you slut. I want to make love, not screw. Yeah. <laughs> Resi Press should have been this movie. Make uh, love or fuck. Or fuck. <laughs> 
<laughs> Rosie Perez should have played <laughs> Roxanne. Oh, God. Steve Martin. And, and I think Perez. the Stooky brothers should have been coming after in Roxanne. <laughs> the Stookies! Grab my telescope! Chris is a Stooky. That'd be yeah. great. Chris Stooky. I love it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so she's not going to stay behind. No. She has to get her PhD. Yeah. So like, it's that whole thing where it's like, if it's like dirty dancing, I'm bringing up all these old episodes. If she leaves and they don't stay together, it's not going to work. No. So I think CD probably like locks it down and like, you know, does it like they do it, but then does it like they do it. (laughs) Yes. That's my single. I was on top of the pops. Yes. Does it like they do it? But yeah, I I just don't think it works out for them. It can't because she's going to be like, you're just a fire chief and I'm a doctor of astrology or astronomy, not astrology. (laughs) Great. She's Sylvia Brown. I'm a psychic. Let me tell your fucking sign. I wish. I work at the All Things Dead store. (laughs) I I read fortunes in the back of All Things Dead with the mayor. Where's your fur coat? I love this movie now. She's Sylvia Brown. (laughs) Played by Rosie Perez. Way way better movie. What's the legacy of this one? I don't know. (laughs) It's, It's Steve Martin's best movie. Next to the jerk. Yeah, I mean, jerk's iconic. But, uh, but I don't Steve know. Martin had like smaller type movies. Yeah, like right. My Blue Heaven, yes. Parenthood, Leap of Faith is a great one. Yeah. L.A. Story. Yeah, I, I really like this one. I mean, it's. This is Daryl Hannah's best movie. Yeah. Better than Splash. Growing up, I watched this one a lot. It was on cable a lot. So uh, definitely. Great soundtrack, too. Divermento in B flat major by Mozart. Oh, okay. That yeah. one. Sure. Mm-hmm. All right. <laughs> sure. Sure. All right, stick around for some plugs. McDonald's presents presents. Did someone say presents? A present for what? I once got a present. Wow, (laughs) special delivery. I'll look for the present somewhere else. When you buy your kids McDonald's Happy Meal featuring Muppet Babies, they get a Muppet Babies figure with a push toy different Muppet Babies can share, plus neat cutouts on the box. Kermit, surf's up. McDonald's Happy Meal featuring Muppet Babies. Collect all four. Including one. Hey, this is Mag CH, and when I'm not lurking outside of Jim's windows, you can find me listening to the Pool Scene Podcast. Pool Sceners, thank you once again for checking out the podcast this week. And don't forget, if you guys missed an episode, check us out. Apple, Spotify, Podbean, and other podcast listening sites. And while you're there, like, comment, subscribe, rate, and follow. Hey, you leave us a five-star review on Apple, we choose it. You win a prize. It's just that easy also check us out on facebook and instagram youtube at pool scene podcast also tiktok yo we're trendy at pool scene pod one and once again guys thank you from the bottom of our hearts and now back to kevin all right final lap guy kind of surprised that they didn't have cd driving a f1 car in this movie why the hell not yeah <laughs> i wish cd was he loved trains that'd be great here is a dorchester 4847 i'm sorry i'm obsessed with this francis bourgeois kid this kid i wish i had the passion and love for an, a thing in life like that kid does about trains i love it i love it it's just so wholesome and it brings At a smile first to my when face you sent it to me i was just like what is this and he's got like the gopro real close to in his, his face. face go to instagram and 
find him. Francis Bourgeois 43. And, but he, um, I just, I'm really happy for him. Like he, if I had something that made me that happy that I devoted like my whole life about, and then people reach out and like, like he got to go to the F1 races yeah. in Miami. Awesome. He has what I call genuine joy. Yes. I wish the world needs genuine joy. So right off, Kevin, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the pool seniors for joining the pool senior group. We have eclipsed 100 plus members of the Facebook group, the pool seniors. Thank you, everybody. We love every single one of you. Look at us. Hey, look at us. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. And coming up, maybe season 10, we do a pool seniors hashtag pool seniors 100 plus listeners choice special we did this when we hit 100 followers on instagram we'll spin the wheel you make the deal we cover the movie you guys want to hear thank you pool seniors legend of billy jean last time yes that's great we've spoken on here a little bit in the past that we enjoy theme parks and roller coasters oh yeah there's a rumor that appears to be confirmed that intamin which is the company that built millennium force, millennium force intimidator 305 sky rush which is so crazy because millennium force is now like the grandfather of the Gigas, yeah. which is nuts. Yeah. Gigas, exactly. which are 300 feet and above roller coasters. Yes. They're building a Fast and Furious drift coaster. What? Whoa, what? At Universal Studios. God damn it. So the idea is that there will be some sort of rotation to the seats that mimics drifting. Oh my God. So it's going to be like the seats will be on, not spinning, but like on some sort of Their like. Their asses will whip out. Yeah. The asses will whip out when they go around the corner. So I, I hope it's not going to be a spin coaster because oh, I can't do it. We rode a spin coaster, which we'll never forget because <laughs> of that milf lady. The but, ultimate milf of all time. But, uh, otherwise, spinning coaster's not my thing, but uh, that's kind of exciting. They are putting in, I don't know if it's this year or next year, a Super Mario Brothers ride okay. area at Universal, which is just a clone of what they have at Universal in uh, Japan, I believe yeah, it is. It's super, it's super Nintendo World. Yeah, I but they're doing something like that, and then supposedly next project would be Intamin building a fast and furious drift coaster all about that it'd be pretty cool because right now they have that it's more like a show it's like the fast and furious which i heard is kind of like eh. it's i've watched the video i did not ride it when i was there but uh yeah maybe maybe not my thing now kevin and i have brought up our love for millennium force especially when we're in the station you get that boom 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 boom, that station song which is great if i'm sitting in the station waiting to get on this fast and furious ride and i don't hear the teriyaki boys i'm gonna be pissed that and ooh i want to hear those two uh, songs what's that that is a charlie puth uh, that's from furious seven yeah we'll play that one <laughs> this is not the song i want to hear when i go on a roller coaster when i see you play that one okay so as uh, we said i will be in the washington area uh, if we have any pool seniors out there let me know maybe we can uh, do a meetup do a meetup autograph sesh yeah there you go i'll hang out with you uh, stay at your place maybe we'll see yeah i will be gone but there will be no interruption in pool scene programming because we will have another episode coming your way swim meat series a swim meat series before we come back and wrap up our season well we're gonna go with bangers and then for season 10 weird yes all right until next week silencia okay and we're up to number four this really is a haunting song it's really nice to see kate bush back on top of the pops and live in the studio with running up that hill right here 